Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about the gimmicks we're buying to improve our memory. We report on what economic students think the average wage is in America. We urge you to always check your spam folder. You never know what you've missed. We acquaint you with words you won't use because they're obsolete. And we discover the shortest workout to extend your life. The Old Dog's conversation is with Robin Williams. Uh, no, wait, I mean David Bourne, whose many talents include impersonating the famous actor. Stay with us. Paul, mm-hmm. I've got a loaded question for you today. Uh-huh. What is on your mind? Well, funny you should ask. Yes. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about the pills that are being offered now to help folks our age improve their memory. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I take one. You do? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It doesn't show. <laughs> when I can remember to take it, I, I do. Okay. Um, uh, and I, I would tell you the name, but I, I can't remember <laughs> the name. Uh, so, at any rate, I, I, I honestly do feel a bit of improvement in my recall. Now, that may be all psychosomatic, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a couple of issues here. One is, uh, is there a reason there are so many on the marketplace this seems like uh, people our age are being targeted mm-hmm. for a product that uh, kind of taps into our fears, fears about yes. uh, uh, losing our memory. And uh, yeah, well, I suppose you've got a point there. Anytime there is a sudden surge of product brands on the market. Some marketing people have gotten the notion that there are people out there who are ripe for picking. Yes, right? absolutely. Meaning yeah. fear. It's fear-based. Yeah, it's yeah. Definitely, well, yeah. most things are fear-based. Yeah, you know, the, there's a lot of talk about Alzheimer's, mm. and and it's never said that way, but mm. the implication is it'll help you prevent Alzheimer's. Um, uh, uh, now, I do confess, I confess I do feel some improvement in my memory, uh, I do not have total recall. <laughs> well, what kind of memory are we talking about? Since you've got experience with it, um, well, all I can say is that it does seem to help my recall of what of, of, of facts, information, uh, names, whatever. Uh, it seems to improve that, and that's always been <laughs> a sticking point for me, as it were. Uh, because uh, people will ask me something, and I'll say, doggone, I, yeah. it's on the tip of my tongue. Well, you know, I have always had a problem recalling names. Um, uh, hey, you. Pa- Paul. <laughs> is this, um, but um, I, I don't think that that is indicative of my age. I've always had that problem. Really? Yeah. And so how do you solve it? Uh, write a- things on my hand. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know. I, I guess the issue for me and why it is something I've been thinking about is, am I being targeted? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I doing this out of some kind of fear rather than any kind of a positive choice? So l- let's return to this maybe in another year. And if uh, my recall is really sharp, I'll give you the name of the 
the product. Well, we could return to it in a year, but then we would have to remember that we were going to. Return in a year, yeah. yeah. Right. I see the problem. Well, I won't have a problem because I'm taking a medication for remembering. You might want to write it on your hand in indelible ink. <laughs> I, I already the, have. The shower could erase your memory. <laughs> shower? Oh, I was supposed to shower today. The Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania is a prestigious business school. Now, you'd think the students have a certain grasp of the real world. Well... Not so. This pod nugget is from the Washington Post for January 19th, 2022. Nina Strohmeyer is a professor at the Wharton School. She asked her students what they thought the average American worker makes per year. Professor Strohmeyer got answers that were unexpected and a bit surprising. 25% of her students thought it was over six figures. One student thought the average wage was $800,000. (laughs) Now, according to the Social Security Administration, the annual average wage is about $53,400. The median wage is about $34,500. So... Why are these business students so out of touch with financial reality? Well, one expert suggests that since the tuition at Wharton is about $80,000 a year, most of the students have likely never worked a minimum wage job. Since they come from more privileged families, they don't understand the large gap between the rich and the poor in this country. Perhaps these students would have a better perspective if they spent a few months on the kitchen side of a fast food restaurant. Well, I wouldn't want them cooking for me. Well, I'd take fries with that. (laughs) A woman in Michigan won the lottery, but didn't know because the email went to her spam folder. This pod nugget is from Sky News for January 24th, 2022. Laura Spears bought a Mega Millions lottery ticket for a drawing to be held on December 31st. She matched five numbers and had a multiplier for a total prize of $3 million. Uh, But Laura didn't celebrate because the email announcing her good luck went to the spam filter on her computer. Well, fortunately, she started looking for a missing email from a friend in the spam folder a few days later and saw the email from the lottery. After recovering from her shock, she claimed her winnings and vowed to check her spam filter more often. She also added the Michigan lottery to her safe senders list, just in case. Yeah, I guess she wasn't checking her own numbers, huh? We have promoted new words added to the dictionary in past episodes. But what about words that have been removed from the dictionary? This pod nugget is from the Word Genius website for September 25, 2021. Periodically, Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary removes words that are obsolete. So, as a public service, the old dogs offer the nine words that have recently been exiled from the lexicon. Aerodrome, a British term referring to a landing field for airplanes. Alienism, an obsolete term for psychiatry. Brabble, to squabble, quarrel, argue, or fight. Sharabank, a combination of a bus and a motor coach that was used for sightseeing. Deliciate, to (laughs) amuse or please oneself by indulging in revels. Frigorific, something that causes cold or is chilling. Frutescent, having the appearance of a shrub. (laughs) Super irrigation, going above and beyond what is required by duty, obligation, or need. And finally, a yonker, a young man or child. 
Since folks our age are often accused of being obsolete or not of use, it is in our best interest to avoid words with similar characteristics. With a little self-control, we can avoid uttering the nine words mentioned, even if it seems like utter nonsense. I don't know. I'm going to have a tough time refraining from saying frutescent. How about you? Yeah, I can see why. We've been looking around for the shortest workout to extend our lives, and I think we've found something. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for January 26th, 2022. The researchers in this article started with a modest ask. They suggested that if everyone would walk an extra 10 minutes a day, 111,174 early deaths could be avoided. Now, presuming we are in that group of 111,174 people, you can count me in for 10 minutes a day. But they didn't stop there. They suggested that if you double the exercise to walking 20 minutes a day, 209,409 deaths might be averted. And of course, if you triple the amount of exercise to 30 minutes of walking, 272,297 deaths could be averted. All right, I agree to 10 minutes, okay? How did we get to 30? Isn't that the way Ponzi schemes work? Now, the point that they're trying to make is that 10 minutes of walking is the minimum to improve your odds of survival. Well, I'm good with a minimum. I don't know the other 160,000 people who could prolong their life with 30 minutes of walking. They're on their own, as far as I'm concerned. Well, meanwhile, I'm looking for the holy grail of exercise, and that would be just thinking about exercise can extend your life. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, count me in for that one. Although, I want to know what they mean by early deaths. Like, how early? 10 minutes? I think uh, earlier than you want. I don't know. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, we're going to let people know what we find out. All right. right. Yeah. Due to popular demand, or more accurately, due to no one explicitly asking us to stop, we're continuing our quest for a uniquely senior slanguage, which we're calling Old Doggerel. For this episode's word or phrase, we turn to the world of volunteering. As we all know, seniors are all too willing to help others. We are a frequent target for people asking for volunteers because, everybody say it together, we We have have a lot of free time. time. The problem is that some of these requests for volunteers don't have an ending date. Mm -hmm. You find yourself stuck in a commitment with no end. It's like you signed up for a vacation and found out you bought a timeshare. This is a condition we call voluntary servitude. It happens when you say yes to a volunteer opportunity that you assume is finite, only to discover that the commitment will continue as long as you are mobile, or until you get the courage to say no. Yes. We (laughs) hope that you will join us in this fun by sending us your suggestions for words or phrases that should be included in Old Doggerel. Go to our website at www.olddogspodcast.com and click on the comments tab. Scroll to the bottom and give us a piece of your mind. David Bourne is not just another talented actor. He's a smart, talented actor. That means he's applied his many gifts not just to entertaining us, but to making good money as well. Catch him while you can, because David Bourne doesn't stand still for long. Well, David, a lot of times in an interview, we like to ask people how you ended up in Houston. Go back to the early days. 
Well, how I ended up in Houston, uh, well, there was this woman named Harriet and Bill born, and it was a Friday night. Oh, yes, the next thing you know, it was a twinkle in their eye, and I ended up being born in Houston in 1960. And that's kind of how it started, so I'm a native Houstonian. And uh, I got into acting by accident. I uh, I took drama in place of college-bound English, because I'd done air conditioning refrigeration for two years, and I was going to be an AC dad. My, my dad had a company and was an engineer in refrigeration. Any, and, any disappointments about that wrong turn? No, no. Refrigeration I'd say, <clears throat> magnet. I'm actually today. happy because I'm alive. I've always been accident prone, so I figured if I would have went into that electrical, I think my career would have lasted about eight more years, and it had been <laughs> and, and that would have been that. So, uh, yeah, I was very happy that uh, I realized three days in that acting class that I was an actor. And it explained why I couldn't shut up to that point in time, because and I still kind of have that same issue. David, you have sort of parallel careers these days, and uh, we'd like to cover them all if we can. But you've had extensive acting experience, both on the stage and screen. Uh, you have a, a running gig as Robin Williams, probably the most famous Robin Williams impersonator on the planet. Plus, you're an auctioneer. Um, how do you manage to juggle all of that? So it kind of came in stages. First, I, I I wanted to just be a serious stage actor, just do stage. And I said, how much do stage actors make? <laughs> I think it's time to do some commercial acting. <clears throat> and then I, of course, did auditioning for feature film and television. And had always been a fast talker. And so uh, when I hit 30, uh, an agent said, you should do an auction. And so uh, I started doing live fundraising auctions when I hit 30. And uh, I refused to do a Robin Williams impersonation until I was near 40. And then it all kind of went into its own world. Uh, I started doing more auctioning, got licensed, started working for companies doing foreclosures and storage wars. You see storage wars? I do those types of auctions weekly, doing one tomorrow. And then uh, the Robin Williams thing, I just started looking more liking. And as an actor, I said, hey, let's see how far we can take this thing. I found out about the underground world of impersonators out of Las Vegas, that there's a circuit for tribute artists. And I said, how much you guys making? And they told me, I said, it's time to memorize some jokes. And that's kind of how it took off. And it happened real quick. You are what I would call a working actor, David. You're uh, not famous, but you are earning a living as an actor, which is very, very rare. And I've always always admired that about you. You uh, you make your own career. You really have to, especially down in Houston. Uh, whenever you can hedge your bets, I tell people, uh, give whatever God and the graces gave you, man, out in the big world uh, of talent. And uh, so when you do voiceover, working with Jim Early, doing a, a lot of radio voiceover with him, that was a lot of fun for a while and was making got some pretty good national commercials out of it. Uh, but then I tell people, well, then I need to do more than just radio because I, I need to do more than just theater. I need more than just film. We're not exactly the entertainment center of the universe here, right? So I always tell people, well, if you can find another way to get jobs on the side, uh, then do it. And so I started doing variety work, impersonations, characters, voices, Italian character with the monkey and the machine, and you you walk around a party, whatever it may be, <laughs> you know. <laughs> really, I was the monkey. His name is a wee wee. Don't get him too excited. He's gonna live up to his name. He's a wee wee. It's a and murder mystery. And murder mystery. So yeah. So then we do. I do Lieutenant Colombo. I was doing Lieutenant Colombo for years. I believe we did a corporate film once. I remember, and it was. Uh, 
which is a safety training for a company, and Lieutenant Colombo was on the investigation. So I started saying, well, I can use – then from doing that industrial film, I started doing murder mysteries as Lieutenant Colombo. And I said, well, there's another way to make money. And then I started working the Robin Williams bits, and I said, well, there's another way to get her done. And then, of course, we're doing corporate film and live MC work. And so it's kind of like – it is kind of crazy. <laughs> Well, a Swiss Army actor. <laughs> it is, man. It yeah. is a Swiss Army actor. Because people go, "What do you do?" I said, "What don't I do?" How rare is it for a person to say, like you have, "I can make money doing this, 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 and this, and have fun with all of them." How yes. Does that, how does that work for you? Is there anything you do that you hate doing? You know, not really. Uh, I think that's the good part is that I love it all. Uh, you know, I love getting out and doing the improvisational types of roles that I do. We did a Night at the Museum theme in Indiana last week, and I'm doing, you know, Robin Williams from Night at the Museum. So I'm playing him as, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, but it's still him. <laughs> and then, of course, this last week was interesting because I'm, I'm doing a, a movie callback. I have a live auction tomorrow. I did a, a voiceover for a new video game as Robin Williams last week, and it's like all three things are happening in this one week. It's a perfect example of, of three different things happening in the same week. Well, you also mentioned this has been a crazy year. Well, not this year, because that would be like 20 days. But last year, I oh, guess. Yes. Was, tell us about that. Yeah, last year was uh, interesting. There was, you know, the pretty good amount of auditions, but it wasn't a whole bunch of stuff shooting. And if it was, it was really tight because of COVID. Luckily, I, I booked uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, from an audition that took place with a casting director, uh, back in November of 2019, and wow. they called me in, yeah, January of 2021 and said, hadn't forgot about you, Ellen Lewis here. I got to go up and, and work a couple different weeks uh, up in Oklahoma. And it's about the Osage crimes against the Osage people. Very important movie. Well, tell us about this tribute show. Now, that's a whole evening with David Bourne. Exactly. I do the show kind of straight up as if you were seeing Robin Williams live in concert. I do like an hour, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, it's all stand up. Never break character. Uh, what I do is I take the bits, the best things of Robin Williams shows, a lot of it later in life, some younger in life. I mix it all around at about 10, 15% of original material to segue jokes. And I just try to approach it like theater. The idea is that uh, I'm not trying to get up and try to mm, act like Robin. I'm, it's, it's a play. It's, for me, it's theatrical. I mean, I get in character. I really try to play the role specifically as Robin and make it a theater piece as well as a stand-up piece because let's face it I mean I'm, it's it's a tribute right and so that's got to be exhausting I mean that's you're on stage a long time yep yep that's uh, nothing like having no safety net up there but uh you get used to it uh I know that a lot has been written about Robin Williams and his somewhat tragic life um how, what's your impression of Robin Williams well, I think Robin was just uh, a guy that a lot of people did kind of misunderstood toward the end of his life. People always remember those those first five years when he was on Mork and Mindy and the things that he did. Like, the guy lived to be 63. Uh, Robin was a person that was very generous. I got to meet him once after a show, and we discussed all this. And he's a very sweet guy. He even gave me his blessing to do all this crazy stuff. And uh, uh, Robin was someone that uh, cared about people. He cared about homeless people who cared about the public in general. And at the end, you know, Robin got something called Louis body dementia and L-E-W-Y-B-O-D-Y. Louis body is a terminal form of dementia. It's a three to five year life expectancy. That's it. It kills people. And uh, Robin was three years into it. So he was, 
he was fighting hard. So I feel like Robin was a person who fought really hard to the end. He showed a lot of courage. And uh, I always want people to remember that, you know, it's not Roy, you know, just remember what Robin did that made us laugh, that, in, that it made us enthusiastic, that made us laugh or cry, that inspired us. Because in the end, what happened to Robin, it could happen to any of us. Notice that you have attended uh, impersonator conventions. What are those like? Well, that's a special freak show. No, just kidding. Uh, no, the first time we went to one, we actually – this is how it works out. We took our murder mystery show to Las Vegas to do celebrity mystery theater at an impersonator convention. And when uh, – boy, I tell you, Dolly Parton got out there and opened up her song and forgot her first words and went, that's okay, honey, do it again. We about fell on the floor because they were so good. And we just looked at each other like we were just in a different universe. And said, what in the world is going on here? Everyone looks just like these people, and they sound like them, and they're really into it. So if a young actor came up to you and asked you for career advice, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, I'd tell them to find out what they're best at, you know. What's the thing they think they're going to get the, the most bang for the buck out of? You know, are they are they a film actor? Are they someone who's on camera? Are they someone who's better at being just a voice actor? I know people who do just voice and do anime and have had a heck of a career and have done some acting on the side. But find out what you're best at and focus on that. Put a lot of energy into that. Also, find out the other things you're good at. You may be good at doing impersonation. You may do be good at vocal impressions. Who knows? You might be a self-taught auctioneer. Find out what your skills are as an entertainer. But find out the one that you love most. Tim Arrington said it to me so wisely once. You know, We talked about being an actor. Tim Arrington was an actor at the alley for years. And, and he said, David, what I tell people is this. He goes, unless you can't wake up every day and live and breathe and have a normal life without being an actor, don't become one. Ooh, but there's a lot to it that really falls into the area of marketing. For example, even after all of the work that you have done and the exposure you've had, you're still looking for more exposure. And so you have to find out ways for people to get to know who you are and what you do. Uh, that seems to be the real hang-up for many people who have talent. They just don't know how to get people to know they exist. Yeah, it really is. It is. And, you know, the thing about when you do jobs on your own where you're doing stand-up comedy or you're doing auctioning or stuff, you can put up your own websites. You can put stuff on LinkedIn. You can put stuff on YouTube and, and try to get it out there, you know. But have something else to do. Always tell the actors you have to, even if you're a musician, you got to have something else you're doing that's going to allow you to be available when your opportunity comes along, because people say, well, I want to quit. And I go, well, the one day you quit, the next day you would have hit. You know, you should consider being a motivational speaker at acting schools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might, might, might be another income stream for you. Yet another one. So, David, have you projected yourself into the future at all, or do you just take it a day at a time? My goal is to start pushing the tribute show where – I'm going to be busting a move across this country for the next couple of years and uh, sharing with the world this unique experience I've had of being Robin since I was 17 years old. It was something that I never went to. It came to me, and it presented itself to me, and now I realize it's so unique and it's so specialized, and, and when people see it, I mean, they're just thrilled now. What I'm happy about is this. People want to see it again. They're not saddened by it. They're inspired by it. Yeah, on. They're like, yeah. Only give them a little spark of madness. You mustn't lose it, and they want to see that. Nice. I would call that an ending note. 
And I call what Paul just called an ending note, an ending note. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.